Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then you just shop as you normally would. It's that easy. Today, we're talking about Pendleton Ward visiting Wizards of the Coast and the announcement of Monte Cook's new game, No Thank You Evil. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. As a child, what monster did you fear most? Rudy Basso. I was absolutely terrified of ghosts, which is a little silly because you don't think ghosts can really hurt you. I was convinced that my house was haunted from like third to fifth grade as well. Stupid kid stuff, but I would love to go like ghost hunting now as an adult. I think that'd be a lot of fun and a giant waste of time, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a good good pick for something that scared you as a child. Alex Basso, younger brother of Rudy, what monster did you fear the most? Well, first off, I ain't afraid of no ghost, Rudy, and I'm sad yeah. to hear that you were. <laughs> uh, I was terrified. This isn't a monster, but uh, in 1996, me, my brother, and my father, we went to see a little movie called Mars Attacks, oh. which... Uh, I believe we were we thought was like a lighthearted comedy, and nothing <laughs> terrified me more than watching those aliens kill humans with their like skeletons being exposed. Uh, and I had many nightmares of those big-brained aliens from Mars Attacks for right. for years after, and I still can't really watch the movie. It scares me. <laughs> he put his jacket over his head and just sat there in his chair. <laughs> Our father wouldn't let us leave because he'd paid for the tickets, so we were staying to watch the movie. <laughs> You learned a, a great lesson about finance that day. <laughs> Alex Basso, that is a good one. I have a similar story that I will tell in a moment. But first, I want to hear from Andrew Timez. Andrew Timez, what monster did you fear as a child the most? Yo, so when I was a kid, played a whole bunch of computer games in like the super, like the early mid '90s and all that. And one of the games that I played was an action adventure game. Some of you might have heard of. It's called Maniac Mansion. Oh, sure. Yeah, and there was a bit in, it was in the very beginning of the game, and like when I was a kid, I was so scared of stuff that I never really got that far in the game. I would like walk around the house picking up all the easy stuff, but I never like finished the game until I was well into my 20s. There was a basement that you had to go into at the beginning of the game, and it was dark, and you had to do like three things to unlock the fuse box and flip a fuse so that the light in the basement would turn on so you could pick up a key and if you spent too long walking around the basement looking for the fuse box this giant tentacle would come down and uh, it was a disembodied tentacle that you could was like cut off of an octopus but it was cartoony because it was you know 1992 graphics and it would just bounce down the stairs and then take you into prison in the the jail in this mansion in the middle of nowhere so long story short for the longest time we had a light switch for my basement at the very bottom of the stairs in my house to the, to the basement. So I would flick that switch off at the end, like when I was downstairs playing video games and I had to come up to go to sleep, flick it on as fast as I could, sprint up the stairs, fearing for my life. That's what I was afraid of, because I was afraid of the tentacle coming down the stairs and taking me into the, the secret prison somewhere in my house that I didn't know about. Yeah, that is a good choice. That uh, Honestly, that was also freaky to me. Any of the, the rooms where you had to be in the dark uh, were, were terrifying. Ray Fallon. Yeah, I used to have dreams about a similar monster uh, that lived in my basement, but they were hero dreams, so I would always save the day, so I wasn't scared of that one. 
But what really <laughs> freaked me out as a kid was were the monsters from Ernest Scared Stupid, if you guys remember that uh-huh. movie. Uh, and in hindsight, I can't remember what they look like. So I guess I kind of picture them as like five foot tall Furbies. Uh, so, Ray, uh, weirdly enough, that is also my monster that I was going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so uh, they were trolls. Um, right. And right. specifically, Trencher the Troll. Uh, was the troll that Ernest accidentally called forth, uh, and he okay. had the uh, power to turn children into wood dolls. Yeah, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. And you could defeat the trolls with milk, but then they could become like super empowered, and the only way to beat them was uh, with unconditional love, and that's why you had to hug and kiss them, and then they okay. would disappear. That's... Yeah, it's scary to kiss things that you're scared of. Yeah. Well, you're doubly scary, I should say. The reason we're talking about all of these kid fears that we had is because we sort of have a kid-themed episode today. Uh, And our first topic is we're going to talk about Pendleton Ward, who is the uh, creator of Adventure Time's Bravest Warriors. And he, according to Chris Perkins' Twitter account, was in town collaborating with the people of D&D on a future storyline. That's all Chris Perkins was allowed to say. So we're not sure uh, what it is necessarily that he's talking about. If it's the next storyline, if it's a storyline way down the road, because we know that they've been working, you know, many, many years in advance, according to Chris, Chris Perkins. Um, could this be something that maybe they're, they're building a D&D game for kids so kids can enter the game at a much younger age and then play it? But then we also know lots of adults out there like Adventure Time. Uh, I am one of them. Uh, This is pretty exciting to me that uh, two of my favorite things are coming together. I don't know exactly what it could mean, but let's speculate. Uh, Rudy Bassa, let's start with you. Are you excited about this collaboration? And what do you think it could mean? I'm really, really excited. Uh, I love Adventure Time. I love Bravest Warriors, which is on YouTube. You can watch the whole series. It's a little bit more adult-themed, and I actually prefer it to Adventure Time. So if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend people check it out. I think Pendleton Ward has a really unique imagination, and he's he's kind of come on the scene and made cartoons a lot more fun and a lot more appealing to both kids and adults. And I think in his work, you can definitely see that he was inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, one of the main antagonists in Adventure Time is a lich. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all sorts of fantasy. I mean, there's an episode dedicated to the main character and his girlfriend just like going through a dungeon. And there's there's always dungeons. So I think it's a, an awesome combination. I think it'll work really well. I'd love, I The first thing I said to you, James, was... Oh man, we're leaving your role to go play in the land of Ooh if that becomes an official uh, setting. I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know what licensing is like, but I think any adventure or anything that Pendleton Ward is going to be a real unique addition to the Dungeons and Dragons library that will probably be very unlike anything else that that they've released and uh yeah i'm just i'm real excited and i know that hasbro has made adventure time board games and other products in the past so it makes me think that if this were going to be some sort of officially licensed thing that they have the means and and perhaps the legal authority to do that although i'm not 100 percent sure um, but it could be they're also just collaborating with him on something entirely original as well, which would also be really cool. Or maybe it's it's a Bravest Warriors thing. You know, who knows? Alex Bassa, what's your take on all this? Uh, yeah, so I'm also a 
big fan of the you know, two projects, Adventure Time and Bravest Warriors. I, I got to just say, one of the comments from, from the, the story that linked mentions that they hope he's working on a new iteration of Gamma World, which uh, would be, I think, perfect for his type of wacky imagination. Uh, really, I definitely wouldn't expect it to be, I think, an Adventure Time crossover. I think it's probably going to be some sort of D&D uh, you know, un- uh, new story just uh, made by him. You know, I hope it's its own unique D and D story. I-, I would like to see something original by him. You know, Gamera World would be cool. You know, he's a he's got a unique en- imagination. Let him create his own thing. Yeah, yeah, it would be really cool too if you know if this is the start of wizards collaborating with outside storytellers to tell a story. You know, um, you could see them getting other people who have played D and D or who are influenced by D&D involved and telling their own stories, and that would be great. Andrew Timez, what is your take on all this? Uh, so I'm, I like Adventure Time. I'm not as big of a fan, uh, just in the sense that I liked it. I watched it when it was the thing that was queued up in Netflix when I was binging, but I haven't finished all the way through it. I'm, I doubt that, there, that this is going to be something big regarding one of his other or like one of his existing ips i feel like he's working with people instead of heading a project himself that it's probably either a setting or something that he's bringing to an already established product the obvious choice being D. one of the rumors that i'm reading about right now is an alice in wonderland campaign for D. the way he paces adventure time kind of like it's a kid's show but also manages to make it adult like that that style to me in, in terms of the writing and the setting creation would be perfect for that i think so if it turns out to be that alice in wonderland campaign i think that would be really cool but you know what uh with a guy as creative as pendleton ward it'd be cool if he was making something that was just completely original Ray Fallon, you had not seen any episodes of Adventure Time or anything before I asked you to do this podcast, and then I sent over some YouTube clips and stuff for you to watch. Uh, what is your take on all this? I'm interested to hear as the the newcomer, uh, and perhaps not quite the uh, Adventure Time enthusiast that uh, many at this roundtable are. Yeah, it's kind of strange uh, watching it because I was thinking about this podcast as I was watching the pilot for Adventure Time uh, and specifically thinking, okay, this is a D&D world. This is a world I'm going to be playing in. Uh, and what stood out is that it seemed like they were just making every single thing up as they went on, <laughs> uh, which is probably part of the, intentionally part of the style to just feel kind of zany and anything's possible. But I don't see that fitting too well into you know, to the game structure of D&D. It, it reminds me more of like how we, when we played Mutants and Masterminds or even the game we're gearing up to play now, the Knights Black Agents. Freeform, uh, if you think it and you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Whereas D&D to me is a little more, uh, let's work inside these constraints to do these cool things. And that's not to say that Pendleton Ward can't put himself into a tighter box. I, I don't know the guy, I wouldn't say that about him. But maybe Adventure Time, as I was looking at it, seems a bit too uh, open-ended and far-flung uh, mm-hmm. for even for D&D, which is open-ended enough as it is. Right, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, everybody obviously plays D&D differently, and there are some people who have mm-hmm. more of a free-form style than perhaps your DM allows, Ray. Um, <laughs> yeah, strict a-hole. <laughs> I'd be very interested to see him put together just a dungeon run, sort of in the style of the old 
the the old first edition modules where you know traps were not were pretty specific to the module that you were running as opposed to kind of later on when just for ease of use or for as as the game matured and people found out what was fun to play with what wasn't seeing what stuff he could design to because a lot a lot of this cool stuff that happens in adventure time is uh breaking the rules like ray was talking about where jake and finn just kind of do whatever they want and get whatever powers they need not not in like a a superman like i must try harder but in just sort of the casual this is the there are a million different ways to tackle this i'm just gonna grow really long legs and now now that i've said it i think traps specifically i want to i want to see what crazy stuff he can invent and what he's building into whatever plot hooks for this hypothetical story to really engage players creativity and throw them for a loop so it's not just oh there's a there's there's a tripwire and then an axe comes down we've seen this before so much of what we have seen so far of this new edition of D&D is as far as like monsters go and classes and races and it's all rehashes of stuff that's been done before uh, yeah. and that makes sense that was kind of the goal was was get back to basics and and make this what is D&D to all people not reinvent the D&D wheel um, what's exciting about this to me is that it's an opportunity to bring in a whole bunch of crazy new stuff and he, he does have such an imagination and he is a rule breaker that it's going to be cool to see what sort of traps monsters creatures and stuff that he comes up with well then there's also the idea that like this is just a guy that probably loves D like anyone else that works on D mm-hmm. uh <laughs> he might just have be excited to have a chance to work with the classic monsters and uh and just do like a cool idea that he has in his head mm-hmm. but in the in the classic framework it kind of reminds me of all these directors who grew up loving Star Wars, getting the opportunity to work on Star Wars. Here's a guy who probably loved Dungeons and Dragons, and now he gets to work on Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah, maybe he should be out pumped. To them, right? That would be so cool. What if we find out that he never played Dungeons and Dragons before and really hates it? Huh? No, <laughs> We're all just assuming. It's sad news. Well, then he's going to come in with a really fresh perspective and break things even harder, which is <laughs> awesome. Well, it'll be cool to see what comes out of all of this. Obviously. Stick with us here at the roundtable, and we will give you updates as they come. You can read all about it at thetomeshow.com. No Thank You Evil was a new game that is already playtesting, announced by Monte Cook Games today. It's an RPG for families to play together, specifically families with young kids. Uh, Really interesting stuff here. Uh, And, you know, I have said on this podcast a few times that you really want to start with young kids. You don't necessarily yet have the stigma of being a nerd when you're five years old. But so anyway, he's going to make this game. It's based on uh, the rule set, you know, that Numenera and the Strange use. It's supposed to be easy, fast, fun, character creation. And it's really about learning the basics of role-playing. And they said that they're even looking into important accessibility issues for young gamers who might have problems like dyslexia, colorblindness, and autism. Uh, when I read this, it made me want to like jump up and down. I was so <laughs> happy 
to see an announcement like this, and I think it's great that there are these games that you can play with young kids. Um, you know, there are already some games out there. Newbie DM Enrique Bertrand uh, has a game called RPG Kids that is wonderful uh, that you can play with younger kids, but it's also nice to see more stuff like this coming out. Anyway, I'm interested to hear what you guys thought of this and what sort of social change you're hopeful it could bring about. Alex Basso, let's start with you. It's a great idea for... You know, people, parents with kids who want to share their hobby with their children, that's that's awesome. And I think the the art looks awesome, too. Mm-hmm. The, the little girl on that tricycle on fire. <laughs> uh, that's, that is too cool. But um, personally, I I don't know how, like, parents in general, they, they are amazing people. I don't know how they can put up with kids. Uh, <laughs> just to, as, like, to teach this to five-year-olds must be something that will be extremely difficult. Two weeks ago, I spent uh, an afternoon with my six-year-old, my cousin's daughters. I spent an afternoon with them. Uh, trying to teach them how to play Guess Who was one of the hardest things <laughs> I have ever done. Just keeping their attention. And honestly, the game ended up being just, I would hold a character and they would try and guess uh, from the box which one it was because I could, not, I could not get it through to them. So... Mm-hmm. If anyone can manage to, to teach a five-year-old how to play this, and I guess you know the point is just let their imagination run wild. I guess that's that's a really cool thing to do, and uh, you know have something to to spend time with them and help build their imagination. Yeah, I'm all for it. But I personally won't be participating. <laughs> well, follow-up question for you, Alex. You know, on the D and D front, uh, do you wish that Wizards of the Coast had had gotten on this earlier? It seems like a thing that uh, you know they really should have jumped on and seized and i know they actually did a while ago have something like this but they never really supported it uh they never came out in in full force with it or anything um you know like a big marketing blitz or anything like that like i i would love to see something like this for fifth edition D. what about you uh i really don't know i mean just from a like how successful is this gonna be is is my big question because just from a personal standpoint like I played board games with my family every now and then, but I feel like it's probably not that common to have parents who will be willing to go this in depth with these games mm-hmm. with their kids. Because uh, it, it really is like an extra step, right? Yeah. This is, you're creating character, you're, you know, it's a big rule set. Uh, so, I mean, just from a money perspective, like, is it, is it worth it? I don't know. Our, my parents' generation, they didn't have a, you know, an, a role playing game. So I'm sure it'll be more common with children now in the future. Uh, yeah, to teach them this. So, yeah, maybe D and D just or Wizards of the Coast just didn't really have the foresight to see see it coming. And uh, you know, if they made their own version, that's cool. Andrew Timez, what do you think about all this, and what do you think from the Wizards of the Coast perspective as well? But it reminds me of the first time that I was introduced to role playing games in general, like as a concept. And I was out in California visiting my cousin Stephen, who was kind of my spiritual guide to becoming a nerd like he you know gave me my first magic the gathering cards he introduced me to everquest so on and so forth so he was a major influence in my life and when i was like six seven eight i was hanging out in a and he lives in california so i only saw him once every five or so years but uh hanging out with him in a backyard and he was like oh have you ever heard of role-playing games and i said no what are those and he he just started telling me a story and then giving me uh, you know, he asked me what I wanted to be and gave me choices and then, you know, started telling the story. 
and then after 30 minutes he got bored and he was like ah all right i'm done because i was probably you know a, a the kind of six seven eight year old that alex basso hates having a framework where it's you can expose kids to making those choices and telling their own stories, but you're not necessarily, as a parent running the game, on the hook necessarily for making all this stuff up. Uh, I think that's kind of a relief for parents who have to constantly answer questions about why the sky is blue and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think that's a really cool concept. Uh, I hope it does well. Uh, I think the other thing that it has the potential to do is uh, catch the development. So you know, everybody knows that guy at your your gaming table you, you know the one uh i think starting role playing early with you know parental supervision can definitely help catch it, it, it's like an early detection program for that guy or <laughs> multiple that guys growing up or that girl from you know right, uh, unless unless that guy is your parent and then you just learn the bad habits. Yeah, oh, I didn't consider that at all. <laughs> One thing that I am excited about is to buy this game for all of my friends who have kids and force <laughs> yeah. it upon them. <laughs> uh, Ray Fallon, what did you think about this? Uh, I thought it was very good news. I, I was happy to see it like you were, James, with the, an idea for social change in mind. Uh, specifically, my mind always goes straight to gender inequality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking it might be a nice kind of thing where it, if a game like this puts kids in command of the world, because they talked about wanting the kids to be able to uh, be like the story runner of the game. It seems like so much of our society, uh, probably any society, is it's an echo chamber. We see what we see, and then we perpetuate a lot of it. Uh, but I feel like kids have less experience from the world and more imagination, and as a result, we might get uh, more things that we should see, like, you know, heroic young women should exist all the time, but don't nearly as often because we don't see them, so we don't create them. It's such a marginalized community to begin with. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense that you would want to exclude a group of people from it, that you would want to invite everybody you can to come play role right, games. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, do you think... Wizards of the Coast is uh, missing the buck here a little bit? I don't think so. I mean, there's always going to be room for more growth in a in a market like this, I think. If a game like this catches on from a pretty small company, I think there's always going to be time for someone like Wizards of the Coast to swoop in uh, <laughs> with their big name and make a more popular version. Yeah, yeah, they'll present the EA Games version of whatever. It is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, you know, is obviously good and bad. But uh, <laughs> if it gets more kids being creative and keeping them off drugs, I'm for it. Uh, I'm looking at this piece of art of this little girl on this sweet black and red, uh, was it a Big Wheels trike or something like that? Yeah, I, yeah. I forget what the what the brand was. Oh, you we got it, Big up, Wheels. But... You know what you're talking about. All right, but, it, but it, it's she's got this bulldog-ish looking thing that also kind of looks like one of the guys from Ariel Monsters, and the front tire is driven by a fire elemental, it looks like. <laughs> and it's shooting out poison gas that also happens to be comprised of eyeballs like that. And you, the the look in that girl's eyes, she's like, yeah, I know I'm cool. <laughs> I, that, that That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many things going on in just that one picture. Her helmet is a dragon. It's it's awesome. It's so badass. Rudy Basso, what do you make of all of this? 
I do think that this Kickstarter will explode and he'll make uh, more than enough. It'll, it'll definitely make its goal. But uh, this is exciting because a lot of our generation has been growing up playing Dungeons & Dragons. We have three people in our groups that now have children. So as the social stigma goes away and it becomes more mainstream, these, these people that grow up and have kids uh, also probably will want to be playing Dungeons & Dragons or some sort of role-playing game with their kids. And, you know, James, you, you put it perfectly. Kids have such a huge imagination and to just be silly and make things up is is really exciting and not have boundaries for a game. So I think this is an awesome thing, and I am also very excited. And I would love to play it with you guys uh, as adults. I think that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually would be very interested to, to sit down and play it. You know, I'm on board with you there, Rudy. And that's a good point. We should mention that this game is going to be kickstarted next month, so keep your eye out for that. Uh, it's a Monte Cook game, so I don't want to jinx him or anything, but I, I have a strong feeling that uh, this will take off and uh, and meet many stretch goals as well as his initial goal. What um, I'm curious about for this game is, because it's geared towards children, I wonder if most of the mechanics will be centered around combat, or if they'll try to get away from that a bit and make other parts uh, of the game more central. I feel like the less strict rules, the better. Well, right. Alex, to your point earlier about the our, our cousin's daughters having difficulty learning a game, it, it says specifically that there will be different levels of a game. So mm-hmm. for those children who are five years old, it might be as simple as you saying, uh, what character is this, and them guessing or something along those lines. It'll be really basic, so they can still play the game, but, you know, you're not going to be worried about which dice die they're rolling for damage or whatever. Something like uh, Timez's experience as a young lad of, uh, you know, a, a person telling a story and presenting choices. If it's that simple at its basic, basic level, um, you know, you're really getting a lot of the tenets of role-playing games right there uh, and, and entering into it in a great way. I want to see the kin kid who min-maxes and like discovers that, <laughs> oh man, when I'm from ages three to five, I'm super powerful. I don't want to grow up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forge my birth certificate and make it so that I can use these rules forever. Uh, that will be Alex Basso's long-lost child. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to go so far as to say it will be Alex Basso like, <laughs> petitioning some third world country to give him a <laughs> fake birth certificate his leap year birthday is finally going to pay off That's right. <laughs> i mean i'd love to beat kids at this game <laughs> this is what we're dealing with people good luck to all the people we've talked about tonight i hope both projects turn out successfully yes yeah absolutely and of course as we find out more keep it right here on the round table where can you be found let's start with you Rudy Basso. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Alex and I have a podcast on this very network called D&D V&G, where we uh, discuss Dungeons & Dragons licensed video games. So far, it's been like one in six for games we've liked. So <laughs> basically listen to us complain for 45 minutes. Uh, you can also check out Alex and I have a YouTube channel where we talk about some of the games we're playing. We just released a video on Depth, which is a divers versus sharks first-person shooter. It's called Game O'Clock. Please take a gander. Thank you kindly. And Alex Basso, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at yo 
underscore Alex Basso, where I retweet Rudy's customer service problems. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Ray Fallon, where can people find you? People can find me at facebook.com slash goldduck. That's Psyduck's evolution goldduck. Uh, if you're into statuses about Daredevil, as I watch it through for the first time, and my complaints about the Flash and how much it rips off Smallville, as much as I am enjoying it, you're in store for a heck of a profile. You're the world's greatest Smallville fan, too, right? Isn't that well, I don't know about greatest, but I am the ultimate. The, the ultimate yeah. <laughs> you really should be facebook.com slash grumpig, but that's just me. Hey, believe me, I tried about 50 different Pokemon that morning when they announced you could pick your own URL, (laughs) and Golduck was the first one I found that wasn't taken. (laughs) All right, people, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com, or... You could actually call the Tome Show's biz line and Whoa. leave a message. Please do. <laughs> Guys, that's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Call there. Leave us some great love. You'll even get played on the show if you do it, okay? So go ahead. If you'd like to give a shout-out to yourself, call that number. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world that I'm building tons of homebrew monsters traps rules all kinds of stuff over there it's at worldbuilderblog.me okay everybody thanks for listening and thanks to rudy alex andrew and gray and a special thanks to jeff griner for letting us join the tome show lineup and hey also to sam dylan for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves our theme music which you're listening to right now was composed by eric michaels don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate The Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. It helps so much. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.